listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. The time is coming up on 833 on this beautiful Monday morning Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz, Mark Teresi, and special guest the second half of the program, Father Lou Camelli, the Cardinal's Delegate for Christian Formation and Mission, joins us to discuss coping spirituality with the pandemic, social unrest, and violence in our neighborhoods Father Lou has been a retreat director for priests, is presented at priest convocations in the United States, Canada, and New Zealand. He also has the most viewed video on their diocese <laughs> YouTube channel in the history of the Archdiocese of Chicago, oh. more than a quarter of a million views for Drawn Near, a video guide to the Catholic Mass. Father Lou Camelli, welcome to the program this well, morning. Thank you, Father Greg. It's a pleasure. And, and the thing Mark, is, good, to see good to see you too. But I see Lou all the time because uh, he's part of one of the priests at the cathedral. Right down the hall. Right down the hall and uh, a great friend. You know, Lou, we go back. I met you when I began Mundelein Seminary in 1975. Yeah. Is that the year you September, joined the faculty? I did. September of 75. And you were a great That's a professor. long time ago. So you, know? you were 45 years ago. Do you know what? You're, you're kind of old. I was you're older. Say, yeah. <laughs> but he looks younger. Yeah, you're right. That's the problem. <laughs> Ten years older and looks younger. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? But we go back 45 years, Lou. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. And all, in fact, I go back with Mark, uh, 47, because we met in 73 you at Niles blink. College. Don't, you just blink. And it, it's yep. true. You blink. And it, uh, you know, Lou, so much has happened in the last six months. Our world has been turned upside down. Right. And if you would have told me back, I said to Joel and the previous guest, in March, in early August, we'd be kind of where we were back in March, minus mm-hmm. the absolute stay at home. But I have a few friends that have not left their house. They are staying at home even yeah. until now, and it's changing people. So, you know, to have this topic today talking about the uh, coping with the spiritually in terms of the pandemic in light of the social unrest and violence in our neighborhoods, people are stressed. Yes. And you know, and how do we respond to it spiritually? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a tall order and just a few words to put it all together. But I think, you know, recently somebody asked me, said, why did God uh, send this pandemic? Why, why is God punishing us, or what, what's behind all this? You know, that's a, it's a good question. It's a legitimate one, and it's a kind of natural question. But it's also unanswerable. You know, you, you, there's no clear, pat answer. And, in an, you know, the, the French Jesuit uh, theologian, scientist, Pierre Thierry, Father Pierre Thierry de Chardin, described our universe as one that's, by God's design, it's an evolutionary universe. And there are all kinds of processes in that, in the, in the way in which the universe unfolds. And uh, 
and as a matter of course, sometimes there are whole species that get um, that vanish, and there there are things that happen just simply because we're in this universe which is evolving. But in the middle of all that, and sometimes in the time of loss, and by the way, a virus is part of that evolutionary universe. Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of all that, we're called out of our freedom and our love to respond. So it's not so much, you know, why did this happen, but where does it lead? And what are we what, gonna do about what, it? What do we, yeah, and I, I think there are some uh, particular uh, traps, if you will, in this whole thing because it generates, it because we're enclosed, because there's the threat of the virus, we are, um, uh, we're, we're anxious and, and sometimes we're angry. You know, we, I, I think I find myself, I, a lot of people do too, on edge, mm -hmm. impatient. And that's because we're, you know, kind of stuck indoors. I'll give you an example of yeah. how people are so conscious about not handshaking, hugging, right. staying six feet, eight feet apart, things that we would never do in the past because we are always about hugging and high fives and handshaking and being close, group gatherings. Yeah. So when you see people actually together without masks on, it's like, what are you guys doing? What are you people doing? Yeah. And they become a threat to us. Yes. Yeah. And it's so countercultural, uh, especially like our kids, you know, you hug them, kiss them. Well, you don't. No. Especially no. our son and his wife are expecting. You are very conscious. I am very conscious that the distance is important to keep that little guy healthy, the little. Oh. But, I, well, Lou, a couple of weeks ago when, when we met about stuff going on at the cathedral, what do we do next, how do we look at budgets, et cetera, I keep quoting you uh, as we're talking about it with staff because you said we need to keep people spiritually connected. Yes. That's the first step. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's complicated, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think. Um, it, we, have, we have different means. For example, this show right now. I mean, mm -hmm. This is a way in which people are connected. Mm -hmm. um, yesterday, I had the uh, 10 o'clock Mass of the Cathedral, which is live streamed. And, I think because you had about 75,000 viewers. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. But, <laughs> the, uh, but, but I said to the people, I said to the people who were both there present and uh, also uh, looking at it virtually, we're scattered in some ways. That's real. That's the, that's the situation. But even in that, we are gathered in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he becomes a, a, the, the center point that we can hook onto and, and link into. But let me say one other thing, too, because I think this is background for the whole thing, is that when we are uh, angry and anxious, when we are fearful and edgy, one of the things that happens is we tend to turn in on ourselves mm -hmm. and, and uh, we become self-absorbed. So that's, I want to go back to what I, I said in that meeting that mm -hmm. we had a couple of weeks ago. That's why it's so important to move out, mm -hmm. to try to connect, and, and, and to be creative and imaginative. Sometimes it's going to be through electronic media, but sometimes it'll be a telephone call. Sometimes it'll even be the exercise of praying for other people because that's a connection. That's mm -hmm. a real connection. And, and so there, there are different ways that we can move 
out of ourselves, because that, that I think, is the critical spiritual challenge. See, I like when you say, Lou, about in terms of when people act out of anger, frustration, where are you, stress, fear, fear then, then we're not ourselves. No. Then you're not, you're not, we're not playing our we're, game. So I'm finding so many people, I mean, I've been actually walking down the street by the rectory, you know, be it Wabash or Superior, and I'm walking, and someone walks on the street yeah. just to get 10 feet away from me. It's like things we would never do. They're walking away, and it's and when we are defensive and out of fear and anger, we're not ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. We're not ourselves. In words, we're, we're not who we are because we keep reacting. Instead of being proactive, we're reactive. And this is where I think spirituality is more important than ever to connect the mystery of God with our lives, but also be connected to each other. But the bottom line, Lou and Mark, people are still not coming to Mass. They're afraid. Right. They're afraid. Uh, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't blame them. And I said, when people call me and say, you know, Greg, I'm not coming right now, I say, God understands we have the television. But, Lou, you mentioned something to me last week or the week before. There's a danger in becoming so used to the TV, we miss that sense of the, the Eucharist. Yeah. Literally receiving the body of Christ. Now, how do you, how, I'm curious, either one of you, uh, as priests, celebrant, connected to the folks in, so, in such a different way before the yeah. pandemic, what are your feelings when you stand up there on the altar and look at the church sporadic, um, you're on live streaming, which probably is incidental to you folks, but I'm just wondering, what does it do to you? And, and your, your ministry is to people, and you can't get to them in some ways. Yeah. That's why you're saying be yeah. creative. But what are, your, what are your feelings when you're on the altar? Lou, go first. Yeah, let me, uh, you know, I wrote a, a sh- short article for the Chicago Catholic on, on the, the fact that we don't have the Eucharist for mm-hmm. most of our people. And I compared it to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what I feel is I feel like I'm trying to prepare people for that time when they can come back. Okay. And, and in a certain sense, we can, we can take this, and, and there is a positive side to it, because in that uh, distance from the Eucharist, we can begin to feel a certain longing and a reappreciation so those are things that are in my, my mind and, and, and in my heart as I'm trying to communicate to people, uh, you know, not to, not to get obsessed with our situation, but to, be, to face it honestly and to realize we're not where we want to be. Mm-hmm. But we're also not just stuck either. We, we look forward. We're moving forward. And, and what are the pieces of anticipation, hope, and so forth that are necessary. Along those lines is we need to be proactive, which I think the cathedral and parishes are, and just in reopening, I do want us to thank the thousands of people and parishes who have stepped forward to be volunteers yes. to get people into their parishes. Without them, we could not be open. And to get to your point, Mark, when I look out at a sea of masks, it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also six feet apart unless they're um, same domicile, one of the hardest parts, believe it or not, is the sign of peace. Because the sign of peace, you say, wave to your neighbor with a gesture or something. I'm the first that goes down hugging, and that's been hard. But again, we are gathered together as a community, and I like Lou's approach to be proactive in that this is a time of transition, 
and things will change and eventually get better, not in our timetable, but somehow God is with us. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, God has, ne- has not been anywhere else except with us this whole time. And you bring up some great points, Lou. In fact, uh, before we continue, Mark, take us to break. Okay, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. We're, we're with Father Luke Camelli. When we come back, we're going to ask Father Lou, um, with the social unrest, we're, there's another layer to this pandemic. Yes, yeah. So maybe we can talk about that and what spiritually can we provide to folks or get from that um, racial unrest. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. More and more people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass is a wonderful tradition that gathers more than 300 seniors from Chicago and its suburbs each year for a celebration of faith and friendship. Since public health guidelines do not allow us to meet in person this summer, the 2020 Senior Unity Mass will be held online on Thursday, August 6th at 11 a.m. Anyone age 55 plus is cordially invited. Find your nearest computer and log in to youtube.com, then type Catholic Chicago. We and our special guests are excited to stay connected to all of the seniors we care so very much about with this special event. That's the Catholic Charities Senior Unity Mass on August 6th at 11 a.m. on youtube.com slash catholicchicago. We hope to see you there. Since 2006, the Charities Golf Classic has been held each summer to raise critical funds for Catholic Charities of Lake County. While this event cannot be held this year in person, your help is needed now more than ever. An online event is being held for all those who regularly attend this outing and want to continue their tradition of support. Your donation to Catholic Charities will ensure that all programs are running at full strength when people need help most. 92 cents of every dollar donated goes directly to helping people in need. Be a champion and support the Charities Golf Classic this year. Go to catholiccharities.net and search for Charities Golf Classic or call 847-782-4119. That's 847-782-4119. Thank you. We're back, WNDZ, 750 AM on your dial, 
8408 Catholic Chicago, Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Teresa here with Father Luke Camelli. Before the break, um, we were talking about the pandemic, but there's another layer to the pandemic, and that's the social unrest that uh, it's prompted and it's prompted by a new recognition in our lives of racial injustice. Uh, this was triggered by the killing of George Floyd, other situations. How do people of faith, Lou, see this? What can we do as an individual, as a Catholic, as a church? Yeah, well, that's, a, of course, a question we can't answer in just a few words. Mm-hmm. But let me just begin sh- to give it a yeah, shot. Yeah, let me give it a shot in a few things. First of all, there's a kind of grieving and a sadness because we, we have what's been revealed is that there are some real deep divisions in our society and uh, and there, there should be a sadness. We, we ought to grieve that. Uh, it's the first step uh, towards a kind of collective repentance and a conversion of heart. Uh, so that's important. And, and I think there are well, let me just pull this together in a, in a couple of ways. I've been thinking and writing actually about this too because I think there are two dimensions for people of faith as we look at the uh, inequity, the injustice, and, and, and some of the violence that goes on in our society. Um, the, the first thing is we have to be against it, <laughs> clearly. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know, when, when we see injustice or people not being treated fairly and... Uh, we have to we have to be against that. We have to do whatever we can as uh, citizens, as human beings, to to, to rectify that and to uh, in our own lives to treat everyone with with great dignity and, and respect. So that there is a kind of and you hear a lot about anti-racism. That's a legitimate thing. We have to be against racism, against injustice, against the lack of dignity. But there's a whole other side as well. And this is for people of faith. And it it comes from our sense of what it means to belong to the church. At the very beginning of the Constitution on the church from the Second Vatican Council, the Council says the church is in the manner of a sacrament, that is to say a sign and an instrument of the unity of all humanity and God. So we're not only against something, but we have a, a vision, or in uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, words, a dream, and that's God's dream. God's dream is that we would be one, that there would be a family. So I, I think at the same time that we have to be against what's bad and evil and divisive, we also have to keep holding up and forward a positive vision, a dream, God's dream, where we want to go, where we want to be. And I think that's a tremendous responsibility for people of faith. But now, Lou, with that in mind, which was, you know, you summarized so beautifully, there's an underlying current in our country of tremendous anger with a social unrest. And when there's a root of anger, I think people lose logic. Right. And then all that you're saying is spoken from a very faith-filled, logical position. Yeah. But we know for every human being... How many times we engage in an argument with somebody and reason is lost, logic is lost because they're being too emotional. So when you talk about this whole national unrest, which has been tremendous with the protest. Now, I'm, I'm all for protests that are peaceful, but when you have groups of people that are about violence, it destroys 
the goal of the protesters who yeah. are there for a peaceful march to get their viewpoint across, which I'm totally for, but then now it creates even more anger. So how do you get to some of this stuff when there's this tremendous anger underneath it and people lose logic and reason? Yeah. Well, one of the things I did as I was trying to think this out and do some writing is I went back to the uh, 1963 Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. In Washington, D.C.? Yeah, which was, and I reread it, studied it, and, and I found it, it is remarkable as a resource because he goes through very clearly what is wrong and what, what can't continue to be in terms of discrimination and prejudice and so forth. And then he does, as I just mentioned earlier, he, he gives the dream of the kids being together, of people working together, of, of uh, a unified hand in hand. hand, in hand. So if people just stay against something, even as something bad like racism, like injustice and, and so forth, if you, if you just stay with that, you will stay aggrieved. And if you stay aggrieved, that anger will bend in on you and it will compound the misery of racism and there will be anger. So what he did is I think he modeled for us today that double movement you can be against it, but you also have to be for something. You have to be for. It's got to go somewhere. It, it has to go somewhere. Otherwise, you're left simply with uh, anger, violence. And, and, you know, Jack Shea has a great line. He says, things we take in quietly come out in noisy ways. Yeah. The great line. Well, it's interesting, too, because as you look at the footage for John Lewis, when he was crossing the bridge, yeah. uh, that we were there. You saw priest collars. You saw nuns. You saw yeah. you saw our religious leaders taking a stand. How are our religious leaders to do that in this environment? Well, that's a, a really good question, Mark. Mm -hmm. And I I think that we have uh, probably not had the 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 vision and the leadership right now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, it's it's still coming. Things are working out. You know. But um, there is a way in which the, the church, and I'm not talking just about the bishops and mm -hmm. priests and right, all that, right. but um, the people, there there has to be an element of prophecy. And, and prophecy isn't just about telling the future, but the pro prophets were people who took God's word and spoke that word to a very specific situation and said, here's where God's leading us. This is what we need to take a look at. And, they took uh, a risk. And they took a risk. They were unsparing. Right now we're going through the cycle of readings of Jeremiah, who <laughs> took a lot of risks mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, was thrown into a cistern and all that, and they wanted to kill him. But that's okay because if, if you have confidence in th that God is with you, you'll, you'll move forward. You'll move forward. Now, along, along those lines, you talk about the, uh, the pandemic, the social unrest, just for a moment, Lou, in the last couple of minutes, and this is a real tough topic, is the violence and the killings taking place just to take it in our own city. Yeah. When you Every weekend you read a 9-year-old killed, yeah. a 3-year-old shot yeah. to death, a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old. I mean, it's to have any human being shot to death. Mm -hmm. But now we're talking children with random sh bullets flying. I can't even comprehend this. No. That's right, yeah. It is. It's just extraordinary and heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and it's not getting any better. No, 
No, it, is, it isn't. I, I think, again, going back to the perspective of a community of faith, because there are lots of issues here. People talk about the need for investment in poor communities and, and, and so forth. You know. Although that, that, that's important, there's no question about it. We need to invest in all of our communities. But I think it can also be a sort of an insult to poor people to say that because you're poor, you're violent. That's not true. Correct. Right. No, exactly. poor people... Poor people are good people. Well, yeah. That's 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 I not it. Many of them. There's uh, so that having been said, I think this is really a pro-life issue. At least that's the way Catholic people need mm-hmm. to, to look at it. This is a yeah, pro- life is sacred. Life is sacred. It's part of the and, seamless garment. Yeah, correct. And we have to. And I I don't know exactly what shape or what look what this will look like, but we have to be present to our society holding up that value. Uh, and it's not just about marching around. It's Mm-mm. not just about placards. It's not just about slogans. But somehow, some way, we have to say life is precious. Life is holy. Life is a gift of God. And um, I, I think, obviously, people have to be called to take moral responsibility. We have to take the gospel message of Jesus and make it come alive in our hearts. Yeah, Not just talk about it, but to live it. Right. Which is tough. Yeah, in our hearts, but then also translate that into structures. Exactly. And and the way in which we interact with each other. And it's come up at Cathedral, you know, our little, I don't know if it's called slogan, it's really part of the vision, but together in his holy name. Yeah. That we're all all in his name, and and we have a, a call to respond to that. And, you know, there's a, a piece in here, too, that's really important. That's solidarity. These kids belong to us. Yes. They belong to us. There, there's, and, and we have to, again, we have to be able to communicate that. And we take the layer of the pandemic with this whole social unrest. It just magnifies everything. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not just dealing with one thing in a compartment way, but so many layers right now, Lou, that's just making people more stressed. And when we... When we live out of stress, we're not ourselves. That's right. We need to bring the program to a close. I want to thank in a very special way Father Lou Camelli, the Cardinal's Delegate for Christian Formation and Mission. Lou, you've been a tremendous guest this morning. You'll be back again. And a joy living with you at the cathedral and your great priest, the Archdiocese. Special thanks to co-host Mark Teresi. Mark, uh, always a joy to be with you. Yes, thank you. Great you work too. of our producer, Jim Dish, and work of our great engineer here, Javier Garcia, to our listeners, may God bless all of you. Stay safe, pray for world peace, pray for an end of the pandemic. God bless, good week. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.